Blog Talk Radio. And that uh, is still pretty uh, pretty accurate. 
And, of course, magic and hypnosis is a classic. It's been translated into several languages. And all over the Internet you can find it. And uh, so the magic of the OTA came out in Gnostica number 44, December 1977. And uh, I will go ahead from now and read that article, and then we'll be able to update it for you. Uh, now, this is by Frater Aliyin. That was my magical name in those days. And that uh, Aliyin was the Phoenician son of Baal. Um, now, my present uh, magical name is Thabion, who uh, was the first hierophant among the Phoenicians, according to the uh, ancient historian Sancho Neophit. So, this is by Frater Aliyin. And this, then, is the technique of ceremonial magic, deep meditation on the Kabbalistic sphere and the magical nature of the working, stately procession of robed initiates softly chanting as they enter the dimlit temple, the traditional lighting of the lodge, followed by the opening charge and response of slow, measured circumambulation with a rhythmic chant tuned to the pulse beats of the universe, a pentagram ritual delivered by the Magus in a Gregorian intonation, and then the conjuration, deep, sonorous, with the names of power vibrated in a subdued intensity. And that's from the Seventh Ray, Volume 3, Number 2. Now, if you are one of those hardy romantics who, after a score of disillusionments, still hopes to find a magical lodge where the ceremonial art is regularly practiced in a fully furnished temple by responsible adults, then you will be interested to learn about the order of the Temple of Astarte, the Ordo Templi Astartes, or OTA. Our lodge has been operating on a weekly schedule here in the Los Angeles area for the past seven years. We are probably the oldest continually operating magical fraternity in America. By choice, we remain small, intimate, and non-institutional. Well, certainly there are Western occult organizations which are larger and better known than the OTA, but they do not emphasize the practice of magic. The order can best be described as a hermetic, cabalistic, neo-pagan secret society. Our theurgy derives from the clavicles of Solomon and the magical system of the Renaissance magus Henry Cornelius Agrippa, while our philosophy stems from the ancient writings attributed to Hermes Trismegistus. Without embracing the law of Polima, we are heirs to the neo-Gnostic tradition of the Ordo Templi Orientis through the dispensation of our late senior advisor, the Honorable Louis T. Cullig. We have recently established a collegium of the OTO as part of our instructional program at a philosophist level, and we do award the ninth degree. However, we caution readers against assuming that we are a Crowley cult. Our magic is closer to that practiced in the 16th century than to the quasi-Masonic
Victorian age systems. Our operations are primarily derived from the Lamegaton, or the Lesser Key of Solomon, a grimoire that calls for rituals in the grand manner with all of the drama and panoply of traditional wizardry. Evocational rites are based on the Goetia, and invocational rites on the Almadel. We have restored these systems to their original Kabbalistic mode, but otherwise we try to keep our operations as authentic as possible, keeping in mind that the magicians of the Renaissance were well aware of the subjective nature of magical visions in the triangle of art and upon the holy table. Our order is sponsored by the Church of the Hermetic Sciences, a California religious corporation chartered on October 23, 1970, and incorporated in January of the following year. Because hermetic magic is an initiatory tradition, all church members are also members of the order. The OTA is secret but not clandestine. Candidates for initiation must be presented to all the active members of the lodge with which they wish to affiliate, gaining the trust of each brother and sister with whom they will be working. If they are accepted, they must serve a probationary period of several months before receiving a formal bid. We do not initiate through the mail. Candidates must be over 18 years of age, be in good health, and have no serious physical handicaps, felony record, or history of mental illness. We suggest that applicants be of college-level intellect and aesthetic perception. We are not a communal cult, nor are we drug-oriented. We expect our people to be self-reliant, contributing members of society. We are certainly interested in finding and developing psychic talents, but such qualities must be tempered with emotional stability. Ceremonial magic is an artistic discipline with measurable standards of competence and proficiency. Imagination is the candidate's greatest asset, but internal strength is needed to control it. Candidates must realize that they are dealing with archetypal forces from within themselves as defined by the psychologist Carl Jung. And if they do not wish to understand and master these aspects of the deep mind, then we cannot be responsible for training them in the ancient art evoking these forces. These qualifications may seem formidable, but 40 men and women have been initiated into the order in the past seven years. And with very few exceptions, they are still loyal members on active or inactive status. Fees, dues, and assessments are always exceedingly reasonable and intended only to defray expenses. The neophyte initiation ceremony is a temple pageant performed for each candidate individually by the entire lodge of full regalia. We believe that it is one of the most impressive and meaningful rites of passage to be experienced in the Western world today. Now, philosophy and psychology of magic. He who enlivens the microcosm shall transcend as a free and winged soul to follow the raven. Beyond the western gate where the dragon rides the quarter, marching in procession, 
with the grails of equinox. Even as the seven-veiled goddess brings death unto death, so shall the epic of the self-borns be soon adorning, when the seekers shall be masters and the lifeblood shall be light. And that's by myself. From the Seventh Ray, Volume 4, Number 3. Well, at this point, the thoughtful reader might be asking himself, you know, what's the purpose of magic and what philosophy lies behind it? Few, few people understand that Hermeticism was a valid Neoplatonic pagan religion that originated in Alexandria in the early years of the Christian era. The latter medieval Kabbalah is most often thought of as an exclusively Jewish mystical system. But this was not the case. 500 years ago, Kabbalah was combined with Hermetic philosophy to produce the great magical tradition of the West, which was neither Jewish nor Christian in its secret heart, but pagan. Helios, the sun, was God, and the anima mundi was goddess, the earth. The magnificent magicians of the 15th and 16th centuries, such as Marsilio Ficino, the master of celestial magic, Giovanni Pico, who synthesized the Kabbalah and Hermitism, and Henry Cornelius Agrippa, who wrote down the canons of the art for posterity, were respected scholars and philosophers. Giordano Bruno, the most outspoken of the Renaissance magicians, was burned at the stake in 1600 as a martyr to the pagan magical beliefs. While these adepts believed, as we do, that and their successors, in the monistic philosophy of an enlivened universe in which all creation was permeated with holy essence. The creator himself was ineffable, but his descending emanations might be conceived by man, who was his divine son. Thus, the gods and goddesses were the personified forces of nature with whom man was entitled to converse. This hermetic doctrine was an outgrowth of the same Pythagorean philosophy that inspired the medieval Kabbalah. That was the reason the two systems blended together so perfectly in the Renaissance. Because of its central doctrine of the divinity of man, magic was revered during the Romantic era of the late 18th and 19th centuries. Romanticism is thought by many to connote escapism, sentimentality, but what it really signifies is a return to the ancient shamanic idea of, of divine men living in harmonious, dynamic relationship with sacred nature. To the Romantic, Life is a momentous adventure and a mystic quest. Today, we call the rebirth of this philosophy neo-romanticism, and we extend the term to include our cousins in the witchcraft community, science fiction, and the Society for Creative Anachronism. Hermeticism has always been accepted 
and has always accepted the transmigration of souls. But the OTA holds that the great work of magic involves the building of a transphysical personality or the conscious sequential identity. The twice-borns seek to become self-born in other worlds. Truly immortal, Carl Jung's individuation process is a prerequisite to this supreme spiritual achievement. The practical key to this great work is our unique system of psychic centers or jewels of the caduceus, which correspond physically to the eastern chakra positions while agreeing capitalistically with the Sephiroth of the Tree of Life. We have our own Kabbalistic mantras, geometric mandalas, and ancient Canaanite god and goddess forms for use in what can only be described as a Tantra of the West. We use the Phoenician alphabet in place of medieval Hebrew for more effective visualization of formulas on the astral. As part of our integrated program of psychic development, we do interplane path workings to the lower three sephirot in the Yitzira, using an attention point system which we find superior to any published workings of this type we have encountered. We have also developed an original and vividly effective technique of astral time travel. OTA operations and path workings are essentially a hypnotic experience. The mastery of self-hypnosis and hypnotic induction technique is essential for all members. The remarkable ability to remain in a state of trance while performing rituals in concert with others can only result from extensive training. This is one of the reasons why magic is initiatory and formalized in structure. The magical temple is a sacred dimension beyond time and space. We must learn to function in that special realm. Otherwise, we are like people sitting in a glass-bottomed boat who may only watch the divers in scuba gear exploring the depths of the sea below. That ocean into which the magical divers descend is the Jungian collective unconscious, wherein they discover all the wonders and terrors of their cultural heritage. To the hermetic capitalist with his monistic philosophy, that draws no hard line between the mind and matter. Subjective visions of archetypes have a transpersonal reality. Gods and demons do exist in their own terms, but we perceive them on our own terms. We share a dimension with them whose point of juncture is the deep mind. Canaanite mythos and seasonal ceremonies. Perhaps it was Solomon who attempted by his Catholic example to bring about a mellow fusion of these separate cults of hell into a pan-Semitic 
polymorphous monotheism, similar to the Hindu religion of India. He may well have built the magnificent temple at Jerusalem, not only for the Levite Yahweh, but for the universal over God of all the Semites. Why else did King Hiram of Tyre, a pagan Phoenician, as was Melchizedek, rejoice and say, Blessed be the Lord, before assisting Solomon so readily, from the seventh ray, volume two, number four. Although the Ordo Tempestatus is committed to the preserving the traditions of the magical art, we found that in the area of seasonal rites, there was little to draw from as a result of Judeo-Christian influence in early times. Now, this gave us an opportunity to originate an elegant syncretism of Kabbalah, alchemy, and the ancient pagan nature myth cycle of Palestine in the days of Melchizedek. Now, this reconstruction of the secret religion of Solomon was not possible until modern times. Depending upon the discovery and translation of the Rashabra tablets, now these texts reveal the epic of the Green Man and the Queen of Heaven. Now the legend of Solomon the Wizard King derived from his fascination with the Phoenician goddess of love, Astarte. The Galatia of the Lamegaton is based on the Arabian tale of Solomon's brass vessel, wherein he contained the 72 rebellious jinn. Baal and Astarte are among their number, and thus the Goetia provides us with the means of calling them forth. In OTA practice, however, we are careful to apologize to such venerable deities once they have appeared in our triangle of art, we command only that aspect of them that dwells within us while holding their universal images in true, in true reverence. We have been able to trace the myth theme of the Holy Grail back to an ancient Canaanite point of origin. The seasonal phenomenon of the River Adonis, which flows red with the blood of the dying god, this grail theme runs like a vein of gold through all our symbolism. We trace it from Phoenician times through the Hermetic Crotter to the medieval Parseval of Wolfram von Essenbach. It was woven into our ritual dramas as the supreme generative analogy. Our quarterly cycle of mystery plays begins with the death of Baal, the green man, at the hands of his brother, the evil moat, lord of the underworld, on summer solstice in the Adonia pageant. Astarte descends from the celestial spheres to the back beyond at autumn equinox in the festival of seven gates, the original dance of the seven veils, the vanquished moat and revive Baal at winter solstice. Baal masters Lotan, the dragon of chaos, in the festival of Helios at the cycle, as the cycle culminates at vernal equinox with the Uptias ceremony symbolizing the marriage of Baal and Astarte. The communion of the elements is then administered 
a mass of seven sacraments in which mead, representing the life force of the sun, is served in the great altar celebrants. Now, these outdoor seasonal festivals symbolize the four primal operations of alchemy, calcination, solution, separation, and conjunction. And it may also be noted that the climate and ecology here in Southern California are nearly identical with those in Palestine. The festivals are followed by feasting and revelry. The solstice celebrations are especially exuberant, with the green man serving the, a giant chalice of flaming spirit to the celebrants who dance around the hinge, imbibing the nectar until the cradle is empty. Our seasonal ceremonies are not restricted to members only. They are infinite in invitational events. The Ordo Rosicrucis. Is it not true that the urgent masters from far Haran, heirs to those ancients who who passed who passed the Gollum secret to venerable Father Abram, those who yet worship the seven wanderers of the starry vault, Spian wizard lords of zodiac and magic, who were the sages to the caliphs of Islam, and they did honor Hermes Megistus as their prophet and preserve his teachings with their own arcanum. And that's from the seventh ray, volume four, number three. Now, little can be said for our inner order of the Church of the Hermetic Sciences, but we can at least give a broad indication of what it is concerned with. And the OTA involves itself with the promise of the elements and operates from a compass quadrant magic circle. It works the Sephiroth up to and including Netzach. And after a three-day KNC of HCA retreat, that's knowledge and conversation with only guardian angel, candidates for the Ordo Rosicrucis are initiated in the sphere of Tiferet. And the upper, upper order has its own inner sanctum vault and operates in the celestial province. From a zodiacal magical circle, the work could be called astrological magic. It derives mainly from a system developed by Ficino in the 15th century based on earlier Arabian sources. We, we do not work the Enochian system of B and Kelly, which the Order of the Golden Dawn revived and Crowley's followers continued. Now, seventh ray. Adamson got up to give her the shawl, and then it hit him, swirling up from his stomach, draining the feeling from his legs. And the strength from his arms. As it exploded with black lightning and silent thunder in his head. In that instant of timeless awareness between the flash and his collapse, 
He knew with certainty that his existence depended entirely upon his willful perception of it. And from a detached locust point, he watched his body fall and roll in the flowers, and then the floating bubble of his separate consciousness burst, and he raved out toward infinity in six directions at once. Each spark of him a different color, each wailing a different note, all fading away from the center of everything toward the periphery of nothing, which in ultimate extension are one and the same. This is from Adamson's Quest, which is a surrealistic magical novel that I have been writing. I'm still writing it, and it's from the Seventh Ray, Volume 3, Number 1. The order offers no correspondence courses. No one can make you wise enough through the mail, and knowledge without wisdom is wasted. But since the spring of 1971, we have been publishing a quarterly journal of ceremonial magic called the Seventh Ray. All the philosophy and techniques discussed in this article have been or will be covered in greater depth in pages of T7R. And at this writing, we are entering our fifth year of continual publication with the 17 issues behind us. The Ray is a unique periodical designed to present the Order's teachings and to promote the revival of Western magic in the neo-pagan mode. Physically, the magazine is digest size, running between 14 and 18 pages. It is printed offset and professionally illustrated, featuring instructive editorials, monographs, book reviews, and special articles such as the essay, Freedom is a Two-Edged Sword, by the late commander of the California OTO, Frater Polarian. The Kabbalistic Magical Adventure novel, Adamson's Quest, by this writer, is a continuing feature. Membership news and current notes on the Aquarian scene are also included in each issue. The Seventh Ray does not run reprints or carry advertising. We try to concentrate as much original and valuable material as possible between our covers. The magazine is mailed in a plain sealed wrapper. It's available by subscribing for only $4 for four issues, $6 for four air mail. And then we have the post office box in Pasadena, California, which, of course, is no longer going. We suggest that you make your check payable to the Church of Therapeutic Sciences Incorporated. We still do. And such checks are tax deductible. MAC issues are 75 cents each to renewing subscribers, otherwise $2 each. Well, that shows you how far back this is. And you may... Uh, send one dollar for a sample issue of our choice. Don't do that anymore, because uh, the green ray is is, is twenty dollars. <laughs> uh, we hope this brief article has given you a fair idea of what the Ordo Templi Astartes is and what we have to offer. And we will try to answer specific questions in more detail. But we think the above information should be adequate. As a general public statement, and you may read published accounts of the OTA and its magic in the following works, Religious and Spiritual Groups in Modern America by Robert S. Elwood, Jr., 
from Prentice Hall, New Jersey, 1973. The New Pagans, Doubleday, New York, 1972, by Hans Holzer. And The Witchcraft Report, Ace, New York, 1973. And uh, that's also by Hans Holzer. And The Discovery, uh, then The Directory of the Occult, Regnery, Chicago. And that's also by Hans Holzer. And In Search of Magic and Witchcraft by Alan Landsberg. Madam, New York, 1977. Ceremonial magic is not a science, but rather an art. It combines the talents of the poet, the dramatist, and the artist with the wisdom of the philosophers, resulting in a unique practical development of man's most potent intangible resource, his creative imagination. The order of the Temple of Astarte is most ideally suited to the sophisticated romantic who seeks more than a glimpse of Camelot from afar and can affect poet Coleridge called the willing suspension of disbelief. Now, that was the state of, of the art of the OTA as of 1977. And there's a lot here that needs to be, um, well, not corrected, but updated. Because all this is correct as to that point. I'm going to go through this and, and, and bring you up to date on a number of these things. Because this was before we filled out the full crater polar system. And we've explained that, um, I think, numerous times before, but in the context of this article, I think it needs to be explained again. Um, our original initiation, OTA initiation, was taken from Paul Christian's History and Practice of Magic, which Paul Christian had, had romantically epitomized all seven degrees of the, of the German Crater of Poa uh, and produced one uh, one big, big spectacular degree that he called the initiation of the pyramids, and um, and I thought when I had my vision back in 1969, I I hold of Gardy's Golden Dawn, and I thought, well, oh, this is a little, this is a little ponderous and a little stodgy for what we're doing and for the uh, the type of magic that we're going to do, and so I recalled. Uh, Paul Christian's uh, uh, initiation of the pyramid that I had read, uh, yeah, this is what we ought to do. So for for a number of years, all the way up, even even up to uh, up to this article, uh, when that's article, we were doing this one big. This was the, the second one is now the second degree, uh, the neo uh, the neo initiation. Then it was the initiation, and we prepared candidates very carefully for it over, over a period of time. But since this this article was written, we uh, we um, decided for because the church was growing, we were we were growing, more people were interested. We decided to to uh, come up with a, 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 a the full battery to go through the full battery of all seven Craterapola initiations. And to start off with with a gentler and a and a less uh, less dramatic and challenging type initiation uh, for people uh, to take outdoors in the hinge and 
and this became our the Pastor Forrester Group, of course, which we do now, and I have done for quite some time. And this way, you can take this initiation, and uh, you'll find an agenda for it on, the, on our website if you're an associate member. You take this this initiation, and you you can, you know, if you don't really want to go go all the way into a deep magic and go through it, you can probably just, and some people do, just stay uh, in in uh, in the past first degree and and come to seasonals and events and socialize and whatever you. And it gives the church more of a, a broad base. Uh, and we, we did realize all seven uh, degrees of the Crater Apollo, which we began working on doing at that time. Now, you may notice in here in the article, it sounds like we're using the Golden Dawn system. Uh, well, we, we did, but not formally. In other words, we required, and we still do pretty much, require... Uh, the material of the Golden Dawn. We're closely affiliated with the Golden Dawn anyway. And, and uh, so, uh, but this, this second degree initiation of ours was the big one. This was our big one. And then we developed the the, uh, the inner initiation. And uh, that, of course, was just for us. We, we, we went on up to the, up to the fourth degree and uh, and that was our inner initiation, and so we established that actually before we we uh, filled out some of the others. So we were building moving the crater of Poet, and but the the inner order now. And by the way, we just did a fourth degree just just recently, and we got that old cyclorama vault out with the zodiac on it. It was in really good condition. And we got it up and and got uh, and got uh, about seven candidates inside the inside the cyclorama. It was really impressive. The uh, I mentioned in here that our uh, celestial magic system derived from Pacino. Well, in a sense, yes, it does originally, but uh, and it also has a lot of owes a lot of pick tricks. And we have recently. Um, Filled out the the astronomers fifth the uh, uh, the sixth degree recently filled that out with our Soma Sophia uh, reconstruction, which is which is really quite remarkable, and that that's detailed in the third ray, which you get on Amazon. And uh, we don't see in here that we don't do an Okian. Well, actually, we do. We 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 do the Aether system, not as a primary system. But we, we had, you know, I, I was into Enochian, had a little set of tablets, and, and uh, the Aether system is is uh, very, very good. However, the problem with Enochian is it's, it's very difficult to integrate into a into a classical uh, ripple-based magical system. It doesn't fit. It's, uh, it's not exactly, uh, it doesn't exactly fit. So we consequently, we use it as a side as a side system, and we don't try to integrate the two. Well, yeah, we'll you know, we integrate them a little bit. We have an okay on our pillars at the temple. We have the Ten Laws of Atlantis, which are in the Nokian, so I suppose. But we don't try to integrate the Nokian letters with the, with the Phoenician alphabet, and let's put it that way. Um, now, 
Uh, also here I, I mentioned Blue Culling uh, in here, and that he gave us a uh, an OTO charter, which we, although we didn't, uh, we did not want to become philemic uh, with all of the um, obligations and and connections of that that, that entails. We want to be be clear of that, but we still um, we still want to do something with this OTO charter we had because it has some validity to it. Uh, I can. Those of you who have seen the film Crowley and uh, have a fine old actor playing playing Crowley in his in his in his flat you know, in in in, uh, in England and and he gets this letter in the in the um, in the mail. And he opens the letter up. He says, ah, "He says, I've been here from my Californian watch." And he opens it up. And he opens it up. And he looks in there. He says, "Where's the money?" Well, of course, you know Parsons, and they were doing curly parties for him and sending him money. And then he pulls the letter out and he starts reading it. And he's rather, rather upset. And he says. By California Lodges being taken over by a writer of science fiction. Well, that letter in the movie, that letter was written by Lou Kelly. And the result of that letter was that Kelly, who had left, he was disgusted with with uh, the Hodgepodge Lodge or the Parsonage over there at, uh, in Pasadena, and he left it. And uh, But then he asked Crowley if he would write him a charter for an independent OTO, and Crowley, uh, Crowley wrote him back and said, no, when you are ready to accept full responsibility, you can, you can do that. So uh, Crowley established a few things called the Fulima Club and in the Corazon Society, and a few things like that. And then he, but then when Grady McMurtry was trying to get us to take a take a charter under conditions that we couldn't possibly meet, but, but he was trying to. And um and Point came out with this with this charter and he said, I'm gonna give you a charter. He didn't like Grady at all. So we accepted it, and uh, but it didn't mean we had to be philemic. We we just we just accepted it, and then I couldn't figure out, you know, down the road. Well, actually, meanwhile, over in England, uh, Sister Cara, our our female Indiana Jones kind of high priestess, she was over there in England, and she got very very close to Gerald York. She really charmed Gerald York, and Gerald York had oh well, he had the collections, and he had he was. He was the the custodian of the collections that were in the Warburg and, and everything else and all that. And Cheryl made quite an impression on him. And and they didn't like McMurtry. They just didn't like him. And so they <laughs> Cheryl came back with all of the OTO rituals, and this was a long time before King published them, all the OTO rituals in Crowley's own handwriting. Oh, yeah. But still, you still, I, I still, because I was seeing, you know, the way Grady was acting and the way things were going and, 
and the solar lodge had just exploded and crashed and burned and all of that. And I was still, at this point, I just, I, well, yeah, this is nice, but I just don't think we want to get into this stomach thing. But we, but here we are uh, with this. So we, 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 I got into the Blue Equinox, and sure enough, in the Blue Equinox, there is a, and you can go ahead, those of you who have the Blue Equinox, you can pull it out, and you can look, and you find it. You find this page on the Collegium of the Ordo Templarianus. It exists outside of the order, and the order has no connection with it, and it does its own thing, and he goes on and on and on about how independent it is, and how, and it isn't, and he gives the impression that it isn't even polemic. And so, uh, here we have, not only did we have the OTO, uh, rituals, but we also had all the Parsons papers, and and I read you know freedom is a two-edged sword, and I thought it was a masterpiece. Well, phenomenal or not, it was an absolute masterpiece. So we I wanted to publish it in the seventh ray. But what are we going to do? It's a it's a phenomenal you know Parsons. Uh, this is even though it was sent to us by by Gerald uh, Herrick himself and all that. Uh, how how can we possibly justify this? And then I got to thinking, well, wait a minute. Why don't we take Collins Charter and establish a collegium of the OTO, and I'll be the dean of the collegium, and we'll go right on what's in the Blue Equinox, and that will give us the the right right to publish the uh, Freedom of Situation Short. And so we did that. And uh, I... I thought Grady was going to explode, of course, and <laughs> but in, but yeah, surprisingly enough, he liked it, and I guess he figured he couldn't do anything about it, and then he recommended that everybody read it, and so we thought, well, gee, that's great. So then we published uh, Freedom as a Two-Edged Sword in the old Seventh Ray, and in fact, uh, I think I we we did well. We've done a previous podcast on on Freedom as a Two-Edged Sword. I read the whole. Oh, actually, um, and uh, and it's an excellent. I, I'd strongly recommend it. And and the OTO eventually published it. We wanted to get uh, Cameron Parsons to help us uh, do it, but uh, uh, she she didn't quite want to go along with us because we weren't telemic. So so that was. Uh, uh, but I I strongly recommend you, that you that you read that. That was what happened. So this is what was the result of our OTO thing. I eventually turned over the collegium of the OTO to uh, one of our longtime members who had, uh, who had a, a, his own lodge, own OTA lodge, and made him the dean of the collegium because he was much more into Crowley than we are. And uh, it frankly didn't do him much good. Uh, so I, I'm not the dean of the collegium anymore. Um, I suppose I could recover it, but I, I don't think I want to do that. So the, uh, I am no, we no longer we no longer we no longer claim to have the collegium. It did it died a natural death. Anyway, but it did accomplish something. It was it it put freedom as a two-edged sword out there. Now uh, that was that, and also um, see in here. We uh, uh, we mentioned our yoga system, but we had not uh, perfected using uh, we had not perfected our eleven tree eleven sphere tree yet. And when we did that, of course, then we were able to use the cube of space 
inside the head, and this improved the whole system. And uh, really, really, uh, that was a major thing. Just, the discovery of the 11 sphere tree, and that uh, that came along after I had uh, transcribed and, and studied the cipher manuscript and whatever, got that published. So that hadn't been covered yet. And uh, let's see, um, the other the other aspects, seasonal ceremonies, of course, we were doing. And um, the retreat, of course, we were doing. And um, so most everything else in here is exception of those corrections or those uh, amplifications. Most everything else is right on the line. Now, the old seventh ray, for quite a while, we were selling facsimiles and back issues and all. But back around... Oh, around 2003 uh, three or so, we finally had to stop doing that because we only had a few uh, numbers left. We had actually we had 19 issues, and but we only had a few a few of them left in the original, and it was getting to be way too much trouble to run facsimiles of them. But it was a beautiful little magazine. It, uh, we we used to print them on uh, colored cardstock. With a with a complementary interior color and paper, and then they were offset. And uh, well, we used uh, we used a selection of of typewriters, and even we even had a typewriter that, that typed in italics, and used a lot of my illustrations and, and others. We had other people that were artists, probably better than I am. But we uh, did what I'm going to do. And I've been saying I'm going to do this for quite a while, but we really are going to do it. We're going to take all of these old issues, and we're going to do them in facsimile. And then we're going to publish a what we call a seventh-ray omnibus. That's going to have some new articles in it, and then it will have facsimiles of all the old seventh rays, the good stuff. I mean, there are some things we won't bother with. But we're going to publish all the significant old material in its original form. So it will be a little hard to read, and there are a lot of spelling errors and, and uh, you know, and typos and uh, smudges and whatever, but I think you, you, you'll all enjoy uh, some of our old material. We had, we had some guest writers that were pretty heavy, like Bill Gray and, and uh, Jeffrey James and, and uh, you know, Gene Renee. And we we uh, and Bill Culling, you know, and, and of course uh, Soror Cara, who who did her PhD dissertation on the OTA, she uh, had a big section out of her thesis on Carl Jung, which we have in there and magic. So uh, you can look forward to that to that, and of course the the new seventh ray is is available uh, with uh, the uh, the blue ray, the red ray, and the green ray, and the green ray is the latest one, and that has our our um, Soma Sophia uh, reconstruction of the Marcosian Kabbalah. It's, it's a Greek Kabbalah system uh, in which the uh, the uh, zodiac goes right down the middle. It's essentially a Mercator projection of the zodiac. And we we are able to make a tablature out of the entire celestial sphere. This was what Dee and Kelly were trying to do with terrestrial victory, but they never succeeded. 
and the Marcosian system was, was the key. By the way, Dean Kelly's Enochian derives from Valentinian Gnosticism of the 30-Aeon system, and so does the Marcosian, the Marcosian system. Now, um, the the um, Carterapola degrees uh, have have continually developed because it takes uh, you know again it takes a while to develop a system. So we have uh, we have had them all in place except uh, except the seventh, and the seventh degree is one that uh, that is. Uh, I will say that that's rather secret because that's the top end of it. And and however, I I we did we did publish a, a German original German publication of the old Crater Rapola from 1775, and we got this out of the museum in Amsterdam. One of our one of our dear friends over there, uh, Peripherian, actually, Peter Trump, he went into the, the uh, Hermetic Museum in Amsterdam, and this poor old Crater Apollo was so deteriorated that Peter had to use white gloves and a mask and a spatula, and he had turned the pages with a spatula, and he copied, in his, in his book, he copied the entire Crater Apollo the German, the German writer Apoa, and then, and then from that we he made a transcript, sent it to us, and uh, one of our members had a relative who had very good German, and she translated it for us into English, and we published that uh, in, in, a, in the Green Rite, so you can you can get that at the Green Rite. Now, um, one of the things too that that uh, you should realize about the OTA is that it has it has formed a bridge this was one of its original intents by the way was to form a bridge between the emerging neo-pagan community and the uh, the people who were still practicing Victorian age ceremonial magic and that means the Golden Dawn and the OTO and uh, some others and and to make this bridge, and the key to this bridge, of course, was Solomon and and his brass vessel. And so, really, even though it sounds like we're imitating the Masonic legend, we actually weren't. Uh, we I came up with this a long time before I became a Mason, and uh, we had our seasonal ceremonies a long time before, and our and the our Solomonic concept came up before. But we realized in the course of developing this that that even though you know the King Solomon forms the, the the kind of the structure, although the Hiram of Myth is the is the mythological uh, avatar, but Solomon forms the the structural aspect of the Masonic myth because Solomon is is the the master he's the Jewish king who who gets the Phoenician pagan Phoenician king and then Hiram of this this half half Jewish half Phoenician uh, architect to and they all get together to build this temple 
which obviously, and they have Phoenician workmen and, and uh, Jewish workmen, and obviously this is a temple for, uh, for we think, El, El, the supreme god El. Not necessarily YHVH, and the idea of it, of this whole thing, was that every everyone could could worship the supreme god of us all, and the supreme god would not be belong to any one particular people. And we we see this as Solomon's vision, which is shared by Hiram, and and uh, and we see this as as. Uh, deriving from Solomon's great tolerance for the Canaanite religion, and he builds a temple to Astarte, and then he becomes known as the great magician. And uh, the brass vessel is actually uh, uh, is where he contains uh, it contains these spirits that helped him build the temple. So th- this this enabled us to. Uh, to bring the capitalistic, uh, the structure of ceremonial magic into the pagan cycle of the, of the Canaanites and, and then thus form a bridge between the pagan community and and the, witch, uh, and the magical community. The witches and the magicians could finally get together and agree on something. And so that was one of our, one of our original purposes, and uh, how well that worked out, I'm not sure. Well, we seem to have some people that like uh, that, that are that have a foot in each camp. Anyway, this is a pretty good, uh, I think, introduction to where we were, and uh, and where we've been since, and uh, and we'll give you some idea where we're going. Now, next week, right here at us, same station. Next week, same time, same station. And a, a program which will go right along with what we were doing tonight, Magical Astrology. So be sure and be with us next week. And until then, good magic. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.